Um, I hope everybody had a really good Thanksgiving. Hopefully you spent time with people that you were actually thankful to be around, and you were thankful that you ate all the food that you did, even if you didn't like it later. Um, I, man, I got into a food coma when we got home. I didn't come out for a couple hours, but I really hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And I hope at some point you got to sit around with people that you love, and you got to talk about what you're thankful for. I think that's one of my favorite parts about Thanksgiving. Um, my family's really into tradition around the holiday time. My wife will tell you I'm a little weird. We don't set up anything Christmas till the day after Thanksgiving. So you'll go home now and our Christmas tree is up. We're ready to rock and roll. But one of, our, one of my favorite Thanksgiving traditions that we do um, is we go around in a circle and we say what we're thankful for about every single person in our family. And my wife will tell you, we don't just do this for Thanksgiving. I think when they came to visit, we did this on the way to the uh, airport. We're a little bit emotional. But um, and we just love to do that. And so one year, we were with my grandma, and we were going around saying nice things about people, and it got to my turn. And my grandma had been struggling kind of all night. She's more old school. She has a really hard time complimenting people in her family or saying anything because she feels like it's bragging. And so... Grandma had some interesting responses, and so we got to Grandma on mine, and there were nice things going around, and she got to my grandma, and she just closes her eyes. She said, Charlie, you know, I pray for Charlie. I think we should all pray for Charlie. <laughs> and so to this day, occasionally when we get ready to pray in my family, they're like, we should pray for Charlie. So um, kind of took the, I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But it's an important thing, this day of Thanksgiving, right, where we say what we're thankful for or the people that we need to pray for, maybe. But we're going to talk today about gratitude. We're going to talk why gratitude's important, um, why gratitude should be something that maybe is a little more frequent than once a year, and uh, we're going to talk about what God thinks about gratitude. So before we get in, I want to say thank you to people that I stole a lot of this information from. Um, my pastor back home, Mike Elders, was the first person I ever really talked to about gratitude. And he pointed me towards a Dr. Richard, or no, Robert, Robert Emons, going to get his first name right, Robert Emons. And he's a professor at the University of California, and he is the scientific expert, the foremost scientific expert on gratitude, which is pretty cool. At some point in my life, I would like to be the expert on just pretty much anything, and I'll put that on my cards, and I'll hand those out but he is the scientific expert on gratitude. Now, that sounds a little silly, but he has earned that because he has run study after study on the effects that gratitude has on people. And it's really, really remarkable. We're going to talk about that in a second, but the reason I say that is because we're going to be kind of operating out of his research, so I want to explain to you his definition of gratitude. So this is Dr. Robert Eman's definition of gratitude, and it's got two components. First, it is an affirmation of goodness, that there are good things in the world, gifts and benefits that we've received. Secondly, we recognize that these things come from outside of ourselves. We acknowledge that people, or even higher powers, gave us many gifts, big and small, to help us achieve the goodness in our lives. So obviously, Dr. Emens is not a Christian, which is why we get the or higher powers part, but we as Christians know and we should know that all of the good things in our life, that they come from God. That all these good things that, that, that are in our lives, these gifts and these, these things that we've received, that they come from God. So that's going to be our understanding of this idea of gratitude. 
And it's really incredible. And I would check out, he has a website. It's greatergood.berkeley.edu. Or you can just look Greater Good or Dr. Robert Emons and go through and read some of his case studies, um, some of his experiments that he has that really proves the effect of gratitude. And here are some of the side effects of gratitude. And don't worry, this is not one of those commercials where they... Have you noticed that now they have to say the side effects a lot slower? It's a bit of a bummer. You're like watching football, you're like, great, and then like, oh, this great new drug. It's like, may result in horrible seizures, death, falling down. It's like, okay, this is a good list of side effects. So here are things that gratitude does. Gratitude is one of the most reliable methods for increasing joy, pleasure, and enthusiasm. It's not on here, but it also reduces anxiety and depression. It strengthens the immune system, lowers blood pressure, and results in better sleep. It strengthens relationships because it increases the feelings of intimacy and commitment between friends and romantic partners. It promotes altruism or selfless action, um, compassion. And it allows people to survive hard times, and then this is my favorite, and enjoy the good times. Now, this sounds pretty fantastic, but I would really look at his research. He shows time after time that these are proven scientifically to happen to those who practice gratitude. I just looked down that list. I mean, if this were a pill, it'd be flying off the shelves. But gratitude can do every single one of these things. So that's great. So we should be more grateful because it, it, it does good things for us. But more importantly, I want to talk about what God thinks about gratitude and what he says about gratitude. Because the cool thing is God's very, very clear about what he thinks about gratitude. If you look at Scripture, if you look specifically at the Old Testament, you can see that offerings are a key way that people interact with God. Real early on, Cain and Abel, first thing we see them do uh, is offer offerings to God. And when God sets up religion... And this idea of religion, it's centered around offerings. And it's centered around two specific types of offerings. And there are some different offerings. As we, if you look at Leviticus, there's a lot of different rules. But most offerings fall under two categories. First is a sacrificial offering. So this sacrificial offering was usually something you brought, uh, an animal or grain, and it would be put in the fire and completely consumed as a sacrifice on your behalf. So that that covers a lot of the offerings. But the second type of offering was a thanks offering. So you would give this um, just to say thank you to God, to say thank you for the blessings in your life or or say thank you for the crops. So you'd give part of those crops as an offering. And a lot of times this offering wouldn't be completely consumed like the sacrificial offering. You could actually share it with other people. And so right away, God sets up uh, gratitude as a big part of religion. Part of me thinks that maybe he understood as we look down this list the effect being a grateful person has on us. That if we as the people of God would understand that that good comes from outside of ourselves, that it comes from a good and loving God, that it would affect our life in a positive way. But as so often happens with the Israelites and often happens with us as well, we kind of get off course. And quickly we see the Israelites turn from gratitude to grumbling. So I want to talk about grumbling too. I want to define grumbling. And this is what grumbling is. 
to complain or protest about something in a bad-tempered but typically muted way. So I want to clarify because we can get really confused in terms of our relationship with God, and please do not leave this place saying that you can't talk about the hard things in your life to God. Um, he wants to know those things. He wants to, to help us carry our burdens. That's not what this is. <laughs> Grumbling is that muted, just kind of the things you say under your breath. That muted complaining and grumbling. A lot of times it's not even directed at God, but just in general, you're just like, ugh. That's what we're talking about in grumbling. And grumbling is throughout the Old Testament. God talks a lot about grumbling. In fact, he talks about it so much that Paul includes it in a list of things not to do. In 1 Corinthians 10, um, Paul says this. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So these are examples of what we should not do. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. Now, don't worry. There's another destroying angel coming for you grumblers. Don't panic. But what, what Paul's saying is that these are the list of things um, that we should not do, right? And I think there are a lot of lists like this in Scripture where we're, we're tracking for the first couple, right? We're like, idolatry, that is bad. One of the top ten, don't do that. Sexual morality, yep, we're clear on that. It's bad, I'm not going to do it. And don't test Christ, don't test the power of God. Okay, I get that. And then we get to grumbling. And we're kind of like, one of these things is not like the other. But here's the deal. God takes exception to grumbling. And we're going to talk about a couple reasons why. But I think a main reason as we look at gratitude versus grumbling is that grumbling comes from a place of entitlement. Usually when we grumble about something, it's because we think we deserve it, right? And we didn't get it. But it's really hard to be grateful for something you think you deserved. You're never grateful for the things that you feel like you deserve. But here's some other things about grumbling and, and big reasons why, why I believe God takes, uh, takes issue with grumbling. First of all, grumbling is at its core a statement against God's true character. Now, I know this sounds really, really heavy. You can like, calm down, goodness gracious. It's, but what we need to understand that when we grumble, we are saying something. It's kind of like when we worry. When you worry, whether you like it or not, what you're saying is, God, I don't trust you. Because instead of trusting you for what's going to happen, I'm, just, I'm worried that you're not going to come through. And when we grumble, we say to God, you know, God, I'm not sure that you're who you say you are, because look at what's going on. Because the amazing thing about Scripture, and I know sometimes we get lost in the Bible, and it just seems really hard to understand, but the amazing thing about Scripture is God is so clear about who he is. He makes a lot of statements like, I am this, I am this. And a couple of them as we look through Scripture. In 1 John 4, 8, we hear, God is love, right? If you don't know love, you don't know God. Earlier in 1 John, we hear that God is light, that there's no darkness in God. In Psalm 136, 1, it says that he's good that his steadfast love endures forever. 
that his love endures forever. And then in Matthew 7, we hear that God's a good, good father. We sing that sometimes, that song. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. So what we say when we grumble is we look at our circumstances and we're just like, what we're saying is, God, maybe you're not good. Maybe you're not loving. Maybe your steadfast love isn't for me right now because look at what's going on. Or maybe you're not a good father. Maybe you don't have good things for me. We look at our temporary circumstances and we, we make statements about an eternal God. The second thing about grumbling is that grumbling keeps us from the promised land. Going back to the history of the Israelites, it's really interesting that they're in Egypt for hundreds of years. They're in Egypt longer than our, our country has been a country. And they're slaves and they're enslaved and it's terrible. And God comes and he rescues them supernaturally, brings them out of Egypt. And then in Exodus 15, they write this beautiful poem thanking God. And then in Exodus 16, it's like the grumbling starts. Christmas is over, you know. Now the toys are broken and everyone's sad. But that's when grumbling sets in. And what happens is that grumbling continues all the way to the front of the promised land. They're about to walk in the promised land. And instead, they're turned aside back into the wilderness. And even in the wilderness, God cares for them. He makes bread rain from the sky. And they complain about how it tastes. But in the same way, right, we get obsessed with everything that's going on, all the things that we're disappointed in, all the things that we felt like we deserved, that we didn't get, and we miss out on what he has for us. We're so busy grumbling, we can't even look up to see him on the horizon and what he has for us, a better place. And the third thing is that grumbling is contagious, You'll know this if you're ever on a family trip and, and one person starts to whine, it kind of spreads. If you're on a team and there's that guy who just whines about, how come I'm not getting any playing time? It just spreads. I see this happen a lot in church. Unfortunately, and forgive me, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or ruffle any feathers, but a lot of times prayer request time becomes whine about my week time. And again, I don't, want, I don't want you to go to like your Ohana group next week and be like, I'm not saying anything because I don't want to want. <laughs> don't put that on me. But what I'm saying is that there's a difference. It's like the difference between prayer requests and gossip, right? We all know that person. I just really think we need to pray for Sue, you know? And then it starts. Well, in the same way, that prayer request time can become a, a complaining time. And then it gets contagious. And then we're all complaining. I, I see this in myself. A lot of times when you ask somebody how they're doing, what's the first thing out of your mouth? Oh, how are you doing? Oh, you know, well, it's been raining every day for the last week, and I'm tired all the time, and my foot hurts. You know, it's like a conversation starter. But it is, it's contagious. It's hard to kick this grumbling habit. It feels like we just do it by rote. So we see what grumbling is, right? We see all these things, that grumbling is contagious, that it keeps us from the promised land, that it's making statements about God's character. But what's the opposite? What is gratitude? And a big difference as we compare the two is that grumbling comes from a place of entitlement, right? I deserve this, but I didn't get it. But gratitude comes from a place of humility. 
So we're going to look in Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians, verse 5, it says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So this is the example of gratitude. This is the opposite of grumbling. And I want to leave that up for a while because sometimes I think we run into these passages of Scripture where you read it and you're just like, come on, who does this? No one does this, right? And we react in a couple different ways when we come into these, when we hit these verses that we're just like, I can't, I can't do that. Either one day, one morning, we wake up and we're like, yes, Lord. We open up our Bibles. We read this passage. We close it. We say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And we ignore it. You know, we go back to the faith that we know. We go back to trying to look like the people that we consider Christians, right? We kind of just conform. And so if our people around us grumble, then we're going to grumble too. And we get a lot more concerned about looking like other Christians instead of looking like Christ. So that's a little bit easier. The second thing we do, and this one's really common, we fake it. We put on the politician's smile. We act like nothing's wrong. I'm so grateful. But on the inside, you're the same person. And that grumbling continues and continues. And the cool thing is God is not fooled. Our God sees to the heart. I guarantee you God's not looking down like, I think he's good as you're going, yeah, I'm grateful, I'm good. And the last thing we can do, and this is the hardest thing to do, we can learn and we can change. We can look at scripture and we can look at ourselves in the mirror and through the help of the Holy Spirit, we can rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. This is the harder option, but it is the best option. And the amazing thing is you are never meant to do it alone. Zechariah 4 tells us, tells us, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God, you can do this. In community with other people, you can learn to be grateful. You can kick this grumbling habit. But I want to talk a little bit more about gratitude, what gratitude is. So the opposite of grumbling, gratitude Instead of being a statement against God's character, it's a statement that God is good. Uh, Dr. Emmons, in his um, studies, has found that the people you expect to be the most grateful are often the least grateful. And the people that have the least reason to be grateful are often the most grateful. So we need to understand that gratitude has absolutely nothing to do with your circumstances. But as a Christian, when you're grateful, what you're saying, whether you know it or not, is you're saying, you know what, God is good. Despite what's going on right now, I know that God is good. And I'm going to be grateful. That's what we say. Instead of saying, you know, God, you're not good, but we're saying, God, you're good. Because we need to understand that when we make statements about an eternal God out of our temporary circumstances, that's backwards. Our circumstances will change. Whether good or bad. Isn't that a lie that we always believe? When things are going good, we're like, this will never end. We recently got given a moped, and I think I'm invincible on that thing. I'm, like, riding around. It's amazing how, like, two horsepower makes you feel really cool, but I'm zipping around on my little moped, and I'm like, nothing will ever harm me, you know? And in the same way, when things are going bad, we're like, it's always going to be this way, and it never is. You can always count on change. But when we make statements out of this place, they don't last. But when we make statements about a God who never changes, those last. 
The second thing we need to go know about gratitude is that gratitude is a path to God's promises. Grumbling keeps us out of the promised land. Gratitude, it takes us to the promised land. Because here's the deal. The two people that didn't complain and grumble, Joshua and Caleb, they went in and they were like, we can take these huge people. I believe it. But everyone else said no. They actually got to enter the promised land. Years later, after being in the wilderness, they got to go into the promised land. And in the same way, when we choose to look beyond our circumstances, when we choose to be grateful, we're going to step into God's promises for us. They may not be what we thought or what we had hoped. God's promises for you may not be a Lamborghini. hate to break it to you. But you can step into God's promises for you. If you believe, like that Matthew 7.11 says, that he's a good father, that how much more, I mean, you give good things to your children, how much more does our Heavenly Father give good things to us? We can step into those things through gratitude. And lastly, just like grumbling, gratitude is contagious. Gratitude affects people. Just imagine what the world would think if we, in our darkest circumstances, would respond with gratitude. If we would respond not out of this temporary what's going on, but out of our God who is forever who is the Alpha and the Omega, who's never going to change, people would take notice. What if we spurred each other on in this body to be more grateful? People would be knocking down the doors to get in here. Why are these people so grateful? Now, I know that in a room this size, there are people going through really, really, really hard things. Things that I can't comprehend what's going on in your heart. Things that are gut-wrenching. And I want you to know that the promises of God are not flippant promises. In Jesus, we have someone who knows what we're going through. He knows about this human experience. He knows about the disappointment and the heartbreak. And in that same breath, he says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Be grateful Be thankful in all circumstances. So I say that just to say, no matter where you are, you can respond in gratitude. And even if you're saying, you don't know my situation, you're right, I don't. But he does, and he says that you can do it. A couple years ago at the HIM conference, uh, there's a guy named Nick Vujicic. And if you saw him, you will probably remember him because he doesn't have any arms and legs, so... Don't worry, you probably knew who he was. And so he got up there and preached, and and it was awesome, just because he talks about how really tough it was growing up without arms and legs, as you can imagine. But he also says at the end of his thing, he he looked out and he just said, "If if you're a kid going through divorce, I just feel like that's so much worse than what I went through. The only way you can respond out of that is if you're grateful for what you have, if you're at peace. That's what we're talking about here. He has no arms and no legs. And that seems a lot worse than what I've gone through. But look at his life now. He travels the world. He has a beautiful wife, a beautiful kid. And I don't think he ever would have gotten there if he would have stayed in that place. Which we would have all said, I I would stay in that place. But instead, he stepped out and he stepped into what God had for him. Now, I need to confess, I am not the master of gratitude. Um, I think everybody in their family has that one person around Christmas that is just like a pain to buy for. 
They have really high expectations. They're super picky, and they cannot hide their emotions at all. That's me. So every Christmas, my mom, like, does her best. My mom is like a mad woman. She has her little budget, and she goes out. She tries to get just the right Christmas presents, and then she, gets back, she has backup Christmas presents just in case because every year there's always one kid who it's not quite fair, right? So every year my mom would watch me, and my face, I was so bad. I'd be like, thanks. You know, no, there is no way she was fooled. And I'd love to tell you that that's not the truth, but my poor wife is every year just like, because I have such high expectations. And so what I did when I was younger in high school, I started to realize that that was really mean. And so what I did is I would just psych myself up. I'd set myself up for disappointment, right? I'd be like, I'm not probably going to get anything that I want. So I should just be really thankful for whatever. And that never works. (laughs) Instead, I just should have learned how to be grateful. But I think a lot of times as Christians, we just set ourselves up for disappointment. Like, you know what, God's probably not going to come through. There's probably not healing for me in this. I just got to soldier on till heaven. You know, those people are probably going to let me down again. So I'm probably just not going to go to church. Probably not going to join an Ahana group. Just set myself up for disappointment. It's an awful way to live. I did it. Instead, we just need to learn how to be grateful. And so I want, you, I want to ask you, just step out with me. Let's, let's make gratitude an all-year thing. Instead of a once-a-year around Thanksgiving when we sit around the table and all say what we're thankful for. And there are a lot of ways that we can do that. In your bulletin, there's a little place. And during communion, I really ask you, let, just write down some things you're thankful for. Just write till you can't, you know, as we're sitting here listening to the music, as we're thinking about Jesus and what he's done for us, just write down things that you're thankful for. At that, um, at that website, Dr. Eman's website, Greater Good, it, there's a journal that you can print out, a little PDF, and it's just a daily uh, gratitude journal. And that sounds really sappy, but do it. If you really want to grow in gratitude, Start journaling about what you're grateful for. What my wife and I do, Lisette, who's much better at gratitude than I am, she was like, every night we're going to say something we're thankful for. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I love gratitude. And then like after the first week, I was just like, not this again. You know, I don't want to think about it. Can I repeat? You know, um, but it's such a good, it is everybody like family, you know, but it's such a good exercise. Because you really start to say, you know what, I really do have a lot of good things to be thankful for. So just find something simple. Step out in gratitude. Experience that list of things that can happen when you're grateful. I promise you your life will be better for it. So at this point, we're going to go into our time of communion. And this is a time where we do practice gratitude. I think sometimes we think communion is this time where we just feel as bad as we possibly can about what Jesus has done. Um, When in reality, if you look back at the history of communion, there are different names for the Eucharist. It's a celebration. What we're saying is we're saying, God, we're thankful, we're grateful for what you've done. And so while we're doing that, just write write some stuff down. Write some things that you're thankful for. I really think that, that you'll be better for it.